Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. The whole reason that we even make ketones and use ketones is so that we can develop these big brains through our infancy and childhood and as adults. When ketones are present, our brain sucks them up and our brain just loves ketones. Welcome to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization, and becoming more of who you already are. Every week, we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families. I'll be giving you access to world-class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question. What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Better with Dr. Stephanie. It's me, your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. And today I am bringing you a conversation with Michael Brandt. He's the co-founder and CEO of HVMN. He's an avid triathlete and marathoner with a PR of two hours and 42. Very impressive. Prior to starting HVMN, he received his BS in computer science and design at Stanford and was a product manager at Google and adjunct professor at the Academy of Art in San Francisco. And today we are talking all about ketones. So we talk about ketone salts and ketone esters. We talk about the ketogenic diet. We talk about ketones as a signaling molecule. We talk about their um, role in brain health, particularly as we age. Uh, so for example, we talk about the idea that we naturally become more insulin resistant as we age, but that doesn't seem to happen with ketones. So as the brain gets, uh, you know, turns into this sort of hypometabolic um uh, glucose guzzler, uh, the ability for the brain to use ketones remains unchanged through the lifespan. So we talk about um, how we can use ketones to augment brain function, how we can we talk about it as a weight loss tool. So it being an appetite uh, suppressor for weight loss. And we talk about it in muscle building and post-workout fuel, how uh, ketones can actually help with muscle protein synthesis and the catabolic and muscle protein uh, breakdown. We talk about enhanced wound healing, being an anti-inflammatory. Uh, we talk about the difference differences between salts and esters um, and why, let's say, a ketone salt is maybe a more, uh, you know, I, I believe he used the, uh, the term a poor man's uh, version of a ketone ester. And we talk about sort of the, the evolution of esters over the course of time going from uh, what I would call battery acid <laughs> to a nice 
uh, enjoyable cocktail. Uh, and we talk about the differences in the current version of the ketone ester in ketone IQ, how I use it as a pre-workout fuel, how he uses it as a pre-workout, but how you can also use it as a post-workout fuel and much, much more. I think that this is such a useful conversation so we can begin to redefine ketones as the superstars that they are, the substrate that helps with brain and body performance. So without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Michael Brandt. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk, and my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. Michael, Brandt, I'm so excited to welcome you to The Better Show. Welcome. Dr. Stephanie Estima, glad to be here. Uh, we were just getting into a great conversation. I was like, stop talking. We have to actually officially start recording this because there is such good stuff in the conversation. We're going to be talking all about ketones as a uh, as the main reason uh, why we might consider doing something like the ketogenic diet or supplementing 
with exogenous ketones. Um, you are the co-founder, co-founder, I should say, of uh, HVMN, uh, which is a product, uh, makes one of the products, Ketone IQ, that I love. And HVMN, I used to always, um, I used to always uh, pronounce it like human, um, but it stands for health via modern nutrition. Is that right? It's going to get that double play to it. Yeah. The yeah. HVMN stands for health via modern nutrition, but it's got, yeah. A little double meaning. A little human in there. All right. So before we get into uh, all things ketones, I am very curious. I was saying this to you in the pre-chat. You know, someone uh, with your background, so triathlete, marathoner, and of course you have, you know, went to Stanford, all, all the, you know, all the sort of pre- prestigious schools. How did you find yourself in uh you know, researching ketone bodies. And I said this to you in the pre-chat, often when I have athletes that I'm caring for that are in, you know, that are competing in marathons or anything that's sort of long distance, more often, I mean, we're starting to see some fat adapted uh, athletes now, but more often than not, it's more of a, where's the gel pack? Where's the quick hit of sugar so that they can continue, so that they don't bonk essentially. So how did you, tell us a little bit about your story uh, in terms of your, in terms of your background and then how you found yourself uh, working uh, for HVMN or with HVMN. Yeah. Yeah. Starting the whole darn thing. Yeah. Well, my, my journey started where I was a computer science major. So I did computer science and product design at Stanford got really into biohacking where I saw a lot of my friends were designing random tech products or the kind of the generation before they made Snapchat, Instagram, selling ads to people all day. And the light bulb went off in my head that the human body is the next platform for innovation because, and we see it happening now today where people are wearing rings and watches and CGMs and tracking their sleep score and saying, sending a cheek swab away to get their genetic profile. And I always say the human body is the most advanced piece of technology you'll ever own. It's not your iPod, not your MacBook, not not even an Elon Musk Elon Musk rocket ship. Like the human body is the most advanced piece of technology you will ever own, and we are just starting to understand what's going on in it. So, a decade ago, I was I would have been considered a biohacker. I think now it has jumped the chasm to mainstream, where a lot of people are tracking their HRV, getting their blood panels done, maybe more than their you know, doctor is asking them to, cause just like curious, what's my, how are my biomarkers tracking? So I've always been into biohacking for the last decade, early, early on it. And what, what started happening was, okay, I got into marathoning. I run six minute miles for the marathon. I train a lot. I started experimenting with low carb diets, seeing how that affected my training, seeing how I felt, seeing how that affected my productivity. And one of the big light bulb moments for me was seeing like bulletproof coffee take off, keto diet take off, intermittent fasting. Like we, I, my co-founder and I did a seven-day fast. Like we, we were doing a regular fasting meetup all the time in San Francisco, where we were headquartered all the time. And all of these pursuits, bulletproof coffee, intermittent fasting, keto diet, everyone's trying to make ketones, but it's almost the byproduct of this other thing that you're trying to do, which is, which is often weight loss or, or related, the light bulb moment that went off for my co-founder and I were, Hey, no, like ketones themselves are the main feature. They are not the byproduct of losing weight. Ketones themselves have these really incredible 
properties. And when we started looking through the literature, it's it's no joke. Like they're very efficient for cellular metabolism. They create less oxidative stress when you do metabolize them. And the real nail in the coffin for us was when we launched our V1, the world's first ketone ester back in 2017, we quickly after secured a $6 million contract with the United States Department of Defense Special Operations Command, where like they're not doing keto diet for weight loss. Like They specifically wanted a ketone in a bottle so that they could add onto their protocol to get these really compelling performance benefits out of it. And the research has continued from there. And so here we are in 2022, where we're beyond just working with elite operators. I don't think everyone in America knows what a ketone is yet. We are on our path where the mission is ketones should be as widespread. The same way I can go to a store and you can buy collagen, omega-3, caffeine. There's these nutritional primitives that are just almost ubiquitous. Ketones should be that ubiquitous. It should be a tool available in everyone's toolkit as a nutritional primitive. You know, we're all doing metabolism all the time. I love that. So I think that let's just do a very quick primer. Um, and I think there's no one better to do it than with, with the co-founder of um, of HVMN. What is a ketone? So you said like not everybody knows what a ketone is. I think that my audience for the most part has an understanding, but let's let's even go a level deeper and talk about how the ketone is produced and what are the differences, let's say, between an endogenously produced one and an exogenously supplemented one. Yeah, that's a great place to start. What what the heck is a ketone? A ketone is a metabolic substrate. So it's a source of energy. When you think about everything going on in your body, if you're exercising or thinking or just being alive, you are using energy, you have metabolism going on, and you need calories. You need a source of energy that is powering your muscle cells, your neurons, all of that. Ketones are an example of that. So glucose is another metabolic substrate. Fatty acids themselves are a metabolic substrate. Lactate is a metabolic substrate. There's not infinity of these. There's there's a handful of compounds that contain calories that can go into your metabolism, turn into ATP, the, the fundamental energy currency of your cell, and can power all of the things that you are doing. And some of the, these, these substrates have different properties to them. Some are more like fast, some create more toxic buildup as they're metabolized. Some are better for longer term, some are better for shorter term. Right? So there's, you have this kind of menu of metabolic substrates. Ketones are one of them. Ketones in particular have some really advantageous properties to them. For instance, ketones are really friendly with your brain. So your brain loves ketones. Your brain cannot metabolize fatty acids. Fats cannot cross the blood-brain barrier. Our blood-brain barrier is very highly protected. Our brain doesn't let that much in. So glucose can cross the blood-brain barrier. Ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier. The whole reason that we even make ketones and use ketones is so that we can develop these big brains through our infancy and childhood and as adults. And you can think about ketone as this like almost like fundamentally human fuel specifically for our brain. Our brain just loves ketones. When ketones are present, our brain sucks them up and so do other tissues in your body your muscles can use ketones like uh, across the board it's a metabolic substrate it can work in a lot of different areas so that's what a ketone is i think the second part of your question was okay what's the difference between endogenous versus exogenous so endogenous is 
endo, it's like inside of your body, Genesis, like your body is making them yourself. So when you are eating low carb or fasting or exercising to where you're burning off carbs, whenever your carbs go low, whenever your blood sugar goes low, your body will start making its own ketones from fat. So that's endogenous ketogenesis. Those ketones are great. You can take the same ketone and you can also have it in a drink or other, you know, other types of formats. So you can, that, and that's exogenous, it's made outside of your body where you can get, like our, our product, Ketone IQ, is you take a drink and then your blood ketone levels will rise right away as though you had been doing keto diet or fasting, but maybe you have, maybe you haven't. You just drink a, a shot of Ketone IQ and, and you got an exogenous ketone. And is there any, let, let's talk a little bit about the state of the individual when you're supplementing, let's say with an exogenous ketone. And I'll say just, uh, you know, in the, we'll say spirit of uh, transparency, I used to like give myself a lobotomy when I would hear like from eye rolling so hard when people would talk to me about like exogenous ketones. I was like, oh, it was like these MLM companies and um, I would say, you know, HVMN excluded, there's, you know, certain ones that I'm thinking of, I was like, I just don't want to be associated with this. And then I sort of made this broad, sweeping generalization that if this company is acting a certain way, then all of them need to be this way. But I've, I've, I was wrong on that original uh, presumption, I've since changed my mind on it. And I think that, uh, particularly when it comes to, you know, what you said, uh, around brain health, um, and also with metabolic disorders. One of the things I would notice uh, in clinic, so I would have a lot of, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of concussions, a lot of TBIs in, in my practice, and noticed if we could get the patient supplementing with some type of ketone, be it a salt or an ester, which, we'll, which we're, gonna, we're gonna dissect a little bit today, the prognosis for that patient seemed to be much better than someone who didn't supplement. And it seems like, uh, I mean, there's maybe a couple of different uh, reasons for that, but I think that there is when you have a, and I would love for you to comment on this. It seems like when there's an injury to the brain, I think really injury anywhere, but specifically with the brain, we have this altered, uh, we'll say, um, altered production, uh, of the Krebs cycle. Uh, and it seems to kind of like, there seems to be this fork in the road at the, you know, pyruvate dehydrogenase level. Now we won't kind of get that far into the weeds, but it seems that when you can supplement with ketones, you can kind of buy, you can sort of skip over this like stall that happens at that state so that the brain can still continue to produce ATP, ATP and continually stay, um, we'll say metabolically efficient. So is there any, um, I know that there's literature that I've read, but is there any literature in particular that you um, have come across um, that supports the idea that ketone supplementation, particularly with TBI and or concussion, um, can help with wound healing, lowering inflammation, and then even, um, I'll throw one more thing in here, uh, even with the uh, what seems to be like insulin sensitization or glucose uptake um, of the brain. Is there, is there, an, is there a direct, I know you're like, let me pull up all the studies. I can, <laughs> I can see you this on the is, other side there. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. I just jotting a, a few notes here and yeah, this is, this is great. Ketones in the brain and, and to go back to just first principles on it of how our brain works, why, why the human brain is special and unique. An interesting fact not a lot of people know is that 
baby fat is unique to humans and it, it does not exist even in other primates like when like the neonate of other related species is born there's no fat and the reason that, that fat exists is because through our infancy and childhood we are developing the largest brain of any species on the planet and that fat again does not cross the blood brain barrier it gets turned into ketones so like, starting before we're even born our brain is this ketone machine and gobbler. it's yeah it's a ketone gobbler I'm just thinking, about, I have like a six-month-old daughter, and yes, she's a gobbler. Um, <laughs> and our our brains are are inextricably connected with ketones, and and even through adulthood, because the idea is that okay, on the savanna, you don't have constant access to sugar, carbs, and you can't store that much. People, like it, in your brain, there's not even, there's very little space in your brain, and just in your body in general, you can store a couple thousand calories as carbohydrates, whereas you can store 100 times as much, even if you're a lean individual, you can store 200K calories of, of, of fat that can turn into ketones. So there's no, there's no functioning as a human on the savanna without the ability to make and utilize ketones. So starting from that basis, yes, like it, then we can draw out, okay, for TBI and concussions, what happens? Okay, so when you have a when you have a concussion, there's damage done at the moment of impact, and there is swelling and scarring that occurs, which interferes with future ability for blood flow to come into the the neurons. And so you end up when you when you scan people after a TBI or concussion, there's hypometabolism. So not enough metabolism is going on inside of the neurons, and it is interesting. Because ketones, as you mentioned, there's this fork in the road. Ketones go through this other pathway that's separate from glucose. It's, got, it's related on some parts of the pathway, but it's different enough that it is able to get through and rescue brain activity because in these instances where glucose cannot, it's a different type of molecule. It requires different cofactors to metabolize. Glucose cannot get through. Ketones can rescue brain energy. And so that's actually a really interesting area of application that we look at with the DOD because there's, I don't know, jumping out of airplanes and stuff's exploding. Like there's, you know, I think that people probably get it that there's like, there's TBIs and concussions happening. Uh, it's also really interesting, for instance, in the, like we work closely with some groups within the NFL because if you're banging your head around all day, there's a strong argument to be made that like almost by default, you should just drink ketones after a game like whether you had a concussion or i mean you had some subconcussive knocks to the head like even if it's subclinical right even if right. you're not displaying any sympathetic escape or dilation of the pupils or anything like that maybe it is a i love that maybe there is like a really great application for some post game ketone supplementation in the event that there's some hypometabolic like hypoglucose you know some we'll mm -hmm. say uh, inferior fuel partitioning of 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 glucose yeah yeah, might as well, like for abundance of caution, prophylactic. And then another area you touched on as well was just general hypometabolism. Generally, when there's not enough metabolism going on in the brain, which which happens, for instance, in Alzheimer's, where Alzheimer's interferes with the brain's ability to do metabolism. So there's this really interesting, well, first of all, Alzheimer's is becoming widely understood as a, not just this neurological disease, but a metabolic disease. There's massive correlation with Alzheimer's and type two diabetes. And I, we are getting to a like almost near consensus or there's a very vocal 
understanding that Alzheimer's itself is a metabolic diseases, at least some like some instances of the disease. It's a complicated disease where basically you have insulin resistance. And just to back it up for a second for, for people that when you eat sugar, your blood sugar goes up and then you, your pancreas releases insulin to address that blood sugar. If you do that too much over your life, the insulin stops working. Your body stops listening to that insulin. You get insulin resistance. And then no matter how much sugar you eat, you don't feel any energy. Like you don't feel energetic because the insulin that you're trying to release, it is not working. And when you have this insulin resistance in the brain, that's Alzheimer's. And so there's a really interesting study on this, this researcher, Stephen Kunane. Maybe people have heard of him. He's one of the, I would say, just goats of the space <laughs> where he yeah. did a study on with MCTs. So MCT is a form of fat medium chain triglyceride that relatively efficiently turns into ketones. So it's not, it's not even a direct ketone drink per se. It's just a, a form of fat that can convert into ketones pretty easily. And even with that, he showed these amazing results where basically he had Alzheimer's patients. So they have hypometabolism, not enough metabolism going on in the brain and reduced cognitive function. And then you're kind of on the spiral because if the neurons aren't functioning correctly, then they, they get worse. It kind of, it, it's, it spirals where they build up more there's more neuropathology that develops and then less less glucose can get in and then it, it it gets worse and worse that with this mct diet that was inducing patients to create their own ketones that they were able to reverse this and they were able to reverse there's five different markers for cognitive functioning including one of the major ones for tracking alzheimer's specifically they were able to reverse these so people were not just like slowing down their alzheimer's they were basically throwing a life raft via ketones to their neurons and those neurons were able to swim again. So it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. And this is where it's like, okay, well, like the keto diet is cool. Like get, you know, get beach bod ready if you want to do the keto diet. But like, there's clearly something going on with ketones per se, where irrespective of keto diet, yes or no, like that the ketones themselves have this, this certain property that's, yeah, it's, it's not just this thing for weight loss people. What I, what I think is so interesting about what you're talking about is that we know that generally as we age, just as a consequence of aging, we tend to become more insulin resistant in general. So if you're already consuming a higher, you know, you sort of have these big spikes, these like postprandial big uh, glucose spikes, let's say, which will follow, you know, big insulin spikes over time, as you were saying, we habituate to that. So the insulin, the same level of insulin is not going to do the same amount of job. This is what we see the fate of type two diabetics, right? Over time, we invariably, if they're using insulin as a, as a therapy, they over time always have to up their insulin levels because the body habituates to that hormone. But it does seem like ketone metabolism doesn't attenuate over it. It doesn't seem to decrease in the same way, let's say that glucose metabolism does as we age. Is there any uh, literature or any thoughts that you have on um, the key, you know keto metabolism as we age? Is there and do we see changes it's, along the spectrum or along the arc of life? Let's say no, and the reason is that it's non-insulin mediated, so you do not need insulin in order to metabolize ketones, and so as a result, ketones ketone metabolism scales with substrate availability. So like if you have twice as much ketones, you're 
you're metabolizing twice as much ketones then. There's so not you get a, better as you use more of it? Is that what you're saying? That's true too. I was just saying yeah. that that if you just today take one one dose of ketone IQ and versus you take two dose, if you have if you have two, then there's twice as much available in your bloodstream and you'll be doing twice as much metabolism. It's not gated. There was a study done where they basically showed that, okay, we can measure how much metabolism is going on. And as they ratcheted up the amount of ketone availability, the amount of metabolism scaled directly proportional. Basically, it's not blocked. Like you are not, there's not an insulin blocker the way that there is with glucose, where if you increase glucose levels 2x, maybe metabolism 2x is, but if your insulin isn't working, maybe it doesn't 2x. Like that, with ketones, there isn't that dynamic where ketone metabolism just scales with the amount that you have available. And to answer your question, actually, on the, okay, well, do you get better at it? That's, yes, you also get better at it. That when I'm, I think people are familiar with, like becoming more keto adapted or metabolically flexible where, you know, if you've been eating high carb diet your whole life, the first time that you try not eating carbs, it's hard on two counts. One is that your body has a harder time making ketones. There's enzymes involved that you have not ramped up yet. So you're going to have a harder time making ketones and then you're going to have a harder time metabolizing ketones because again, your body hasn't been doing it and you don't have the enzymes built up. It's all in your genetic codes. I don't want it. That's, that's the silver lining there where like anyone can become metabolically flexible by, by changing up their lifestyle and eating lower carb, being more active and reducing the amount or sorry, increasing the amount that their body is able to make and use ketones. One thing that's interesting about drinking a ketone, an exogenous ketone is that it actually helps on that second component, which is the enzymes involved with metabolizing the ketone. So drinking a ketone is not going to help your body to make more ketones. It's kind of separate. If anything, it will actually temporarily slow it down because you have ketones present in your body doesn't need to make it. But what it does help you do is accelerate the rate at which you are metabolizing. You will increase the amount of ketone metabolizing enzymes that are, that are circulating. So it helps you to become more keto adapted. So that's a, that's where when people are trying to go low carb or keto where exogenous ketones can help play a role like ketone iq can play a role but i'm very careful to say this is not like a cure-all and i think what you're saying earlier is there's been a lot of like wham like ketone weight loss shred the pounds off like it's it's just like way more nuanced than that like a ketone you're fundamentally eating calories like there's calories inside of those ketones if you use them correctly yes you can induce your body to be more metabolically flexible if you use them in conjunction with a lower carb diet, if you're more active, then they can, yeah, certainly you can, you can benefit from it, but it's not this like zap the pounds off magic supplement that I right. think in a lot of ways set the space back in yeah. a, in an unproductive way. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate your, um, your comments there because it often seems like even, even, uh, people who are just looking for answers and I don't fault anybody because there is a lot of conflicting information when you're trying to look at how am I going to improve my health? We have plant doctors, we have carnivore doctors, we have keto doctors, we have like all these different things. So it can be really confusing for the consumer. But what I often like to get back to is like, what are the fundamental basics? And I think when we talk about substrate, right, you know, ketones are a fundamental substrate from an evolutionary lens that have been with, with us for, 
you know, hundreds of thousands of years that have, you know, propagated the survival of the species. So we want to be considerate of that. But it's not just the what's the one supplement that I'm going to take to lose weight, you know, Um, although I will say that it does have a bit of an appetite, you know, suppressing effect whenever I like whenever I take ketone IQ, I typically um, I work out in the morning, that's the time where I can get my workout in. So it's I usually do it fasted. And this morning, for example, woke up and just like, for whatever reason, didn't have the best sleep last night. Like I couldn't get my mind to shut off. I was thinking about things, woke up, you know, maybe once or twice overnight. And then when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh God, I have legs today. (laughs) So went downstairs, you know, I have a little home gym and then took my ketone IQ with some, um, I have like a little electrolytes in the morning and was able to not only just get through my workout, but have a great workout. But I know that the days that I take ketone IQ, so leg day, it's leg day for me today. I'm going to be, I know I'm hungry. Like I'm always hungrier the days that I do leg day, but I'm not as ravenous, <laughs> let's say today, because I I took that ketone IQ in the morning um, than I would be otherwise. So there is, it does seem that there is some appetite suppressing um, effect of taking ketone bodies. Is that correct? Yeah, there was this really interesting study done where the researcher had two two participant groups, one that was taking placebo and one that was taking ketones. The placebo was, they, they gave the same amount of calories to both. So it was 100 grams of sugar. Isocaloric, yeah. Isocaloric, 100 grams of sugar versus 100 grams of ketones. Sorry, it was 100 calories worth. 100 calories of sugar versus 100 calories of ketones. And they showed that the ketones were significantly, that ketone group was significantly appetite suppressed compared to the sugar group. So on subjective measures of like, hey, how hungry are you on a scale of one to 10? The sugar group felt hungrier sooner. And then when they looked at ghrelin, the hunger hormone, they did blood draws. They showed just objectively on that blood draw that people with elevated ketones from exogenous ketones had, had, um, ghrelin was suppressed. So super interesting there, which I don't think is that crazy for people to wrap their minds around where like just different calories are different, like different calories are more satiating. You have on the one end, like a lot of, a lot of what's in the, you know, 7-Eleven or the aisles of the grocery store. I think a lot of people know, you know, try to shop the perimeter of the grocery store, not the aisles. A lot of the highly engineered carbohydrates, potato chips, candy, like so that's really addicting, AKA it is not satiating. It does not scratch the itch. In fact, like you eat it and like you get itchier, like you eat, like try just having three potato chips. You know what I mean? It's like you're either having right. zero or you're having like half a bag. The whole bag, yeah. Or yeah, half, so, half a bag for you, the whole bag for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I was just being, yeah. <laughs> when you are looking at the different types of food options available, certain foods are inherently addicting, certain foods are much more satiating like an avocado or a hard-boiled egg is gonna it just intuitively is gonna satiate you better than like the same amount of calories from cotton candy or cookies or something that like right. sugar is gonna get you addicted and so the ketones are, are on that end of the spectrum where it's just like really satiating so this is where like i'm not like a hard hard liner on keto diet i also personally run a lot so my mission is to keep my net carb balance low. So, but I'm also running eight miles in the morning. So like I'll eat some carbs, run it off, keep my net carb balance low, um, net of the activity I'm doing. But for even for the reason I like the keto diet and just like low, relatively low carb in general is that 
the higher fat stuff is just more satiating. And so it's a lot easier when you say, hey, just like eat as much avocado and eggs and salmon and steak, like eat as much as, of that as you want. People have a lot easier time with that because they can literally eat as much as they want as long as they don't have sugary stuff, carby stuff. And I think if the mission is, hey, I want to stick to, you know, 1800 calories a day. Well, if you just have a rule that, hey, I can eat whatever I want, but it's only to this like really satiating stuff where every calorie there really counts. Like the 500 calorie lunch I had actually kept me full to noon. Hey, I had a, I had a ketone IQ energy shot and yeah, there's some calories in there, but like I did, I just wasn't hungry for hours afterwards that like the quality of calories matters a lot. You'll drive yourself nuts if you're stick, trying to stick to 1800 calories and you're having like like you're going to be fiending like it's it's gonna they're going to be addicting it's gonna be hard to you're gonna hit the ceiling by lunchtime 100 percent, 100 percent. i um and i also just think that you know just as a woman as a, a cycling woman i think that's a bad idea anyway we shouldn't be trying to and this is just more for my women who are listening that we shouldn't be always we shouldn't have this uh inflexibility of thought where it's like you have this mark 1800 calories 1600 whatever the number is and you stick to it no matter what because of course we have like I did last night like Mm -hmm. changes in sleep you have changes Mm -hmm. in stress and then of course changes in the hormonal flux over the course of the menstrual cycle as well I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery heart health and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. Um, you mentioned that you Such were... Yeah. You mentioned that you were a runner, that you run eight miles. Do you, are you a, there, there is some, the, the other thing that I think is really interesting with ketones as well is that there does seem to be, um, it does seem to be a signaling, signaling molecule um, to help the uptake, let's say, of nutrients post-workout. So are you mm-hmm. someone who, like I tend to preload my ketone IQ or uh, ketone ester, which I want to talk a little bit about the difference of that, those two as well. But is there any benefit in post-workout nutrition? Can we uh, consider supplementing, let's say, with a ketone body uh, or ketone bodies, I should say, uh, post-workout, post-lift, post-run? Yeah, it it does seem that ketones help with recovery. There was this study on Belgian cyclists where they they had participants biking, working out twice a day for three weeks. So this is actually meant, it was in trained cyclists and it was meant to emulate Tour de France style race conditions. So biking hard every day, multiple times a day, in some cases for three weeks. The two groups were identical, able to eat whatever they want, same training protocol. The one difference being that in group A, they were drinking ketones three times a day. So they had ongoing elevated ketone levels from exogenous ketones throughout that three weeks. And by the end of that three weeks, 
the ketone group had a 15% higher training load in that last week. And then in the, in the time trial at the 15, end, 15, one, five, 15%. Wow. Like they were just able to do more. So it's like, Hey, we're, we're training. Like they're just covering more miles in their, in their block of, of time. Um, and this is placebo controlled. So it's not like, you know, people didn't know what they were having or not. And then like even the non-ketone group was having three times a day, something weird tasting that was not a ketone. It was inert placebo. Um, and at the end of those three weeks, there was a, they did a time trial and the, the ketone group was doing significantly better on that final trial, also 15% better on that final, the final half hour of the time trial at the end of the three weeks, they were doing significantly better. And the mechanism of action, it, that's that, that we're still all figuring out, like we are doing research on it. There's other, other groups just generally at universities and whatnot is that there's two main components. One is that it seems to help with muscle protein resynthesis. So when you work out hard, you get a bunch of micro tears in your muscles. The rebuilding of those tears is what makes you stronger. So like the point of working out is to get these micro tears. Not a, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. But the, but the repair takes time. And ketones seem to accelerate muscle protein resynthesis. You have to have protein, though, too. I, I want to make that really clear. It's not like ketones are not just magically solving it. Like, it's when you have ketones and protein, ketones seem to accelerate the rate of that, the, that protein resynthesizing your own muscle proteins. And then the second component is muscle glycogen reuptake, where like mm. all of your muscles basically have this little, little storage capacity for glycogen. And if you just worked out, you probably depleted your glycogen. It's healthy, good to do. Like you want to deplete your, your glycogen stores on a regular basis. But if you're a tour de France cyclist or pro athlete, the first thing you want to do after working out is refill those batteries. It takes time. And again, ketones when taken with your post workout protein and carbs, they seem to accelerate the rate of muscle glycogen reuptake. So you're getting faster protein rebuild, you're getting faster glycogen reuptake, and then just in the kind of ecological sense, like the, when you're actually observing the cyclists, it's just the the training numbers speak for themselves. And and whatever the mechanism of action is, people are doing better when they have habitual elevated ketones. That's so fascinating. And I wonder if there's anything to do, because one of the things that we know with traditional bodybuilding, at least is post-workout, you have some protein and you have some carbs. So the protein is driving the MPS that you were talking about, the muscle protein Mm -hmm. synthesis. The carbs are helping to prevent muscle protein breakdown. So Mm -hmm. that catabolic effect on the muscle. And I wonder, and this is just me like spitting out ideas. This is going to be totally off base, but I wonder if the ketones in some way are, um, replacing the through, let's say insulin, uh, sensitivity, because we know that ketones help with glucose uptake. I wonder if they're helping prevent also the muscle protein breakdown. Do we know if, if that's, if am I on track or am I just talking crazy? Yes. So, So that is, that is a super interesting insight and it's something that people have been looking at as like does the there's a reason that your muscle is better at resynthesizing is it because like there's just less breakdown taking place less uh and the the understanding of it is that okay so when you are at an energy deficit your body will go wherever to get energy so like if you just worked out hard it's kind of counterproductive but like your body will just start if you're at an energy deficit you'll start ripping up your own hard yes. 
muscles. Hard-earned muscle. That's correct. So mm-hmm. if you're just starving, your body will try to break down your muscles and turn it into glucose. So that's the last thing you want to have happen after you're working out. So super important to have you know any type of post-workout nutrition, so you're not just like burning your muscle to your brain alive or like something like that. Um, and then the anti-catabolic process of ketones is super interesting there where you're basically like, yeah, preventing your body from ripping up. One way to think about ketones that's maybe an interesting mental model is that like normally your body has ketones present when you're in like kind of endurance mode, like you've eaten low carb and, or you're exercising a lot. Like think about you on the Savannah. It's like you're generally low carb. You're not eating a lot of carbs and you're, you're moving around a lot. So when you drink ketones, you, you get your body into that endurance mode. It kind of feels like runner's high, first of all, but you also make your body like efficient. Like your body is going to stop ripping up its protein. It's going to say, okay, there's ketones present. We, we're, we got to survive here. Let's stop like r- ripping the shingles off the roof. Let's use these ketones that are present. Let's preserve muscle mass and let's, let's survive it through. So you basically get into this like super efficient endurance mode that's like sparing, protecting your protein when you have ketones present. So we've talked about um, how ketones can augment, let's say, muscle performance, muscle recovery, uh, TBIs, concussion, brain health. If you, if there's someone listening that's like, man, I just hate the keto diet. Like, I just love me some carbs. Um, is there a place for ketone supplementation if the person is primarily glycolytic? So we've been talking about how the ketone diet, like the main point of it really is the production of these endogenous ketones. But let's say someone's like, you know what? It's just not for me. Can we still supplement with ketone bodies, let's say, if someone's having like a higher carbohydrate uh, consumption or, you know, irrespective of consumption, they're not uh, like the, t- the the primary substrate, let's say, is glucose. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the... Like we're all doing metabolism all the time. We all have the fundamental tools to metabolize ketones. So if you're bought in on the idea that ketones are a really helpful substrate, it doesn't matter whether you're doing a keto diet or not. Like the fact is that we all have some amount of ketones swimming around in our body. And especially when we exercise, you start burning glycogen. Yeah. You start, you, you turn your stored, your battery packs in your muscles. It starts flowing and, and actually being used for muscle activity, but you also start ramping up your own endogenous ketone production, whether you're doing keto diet or not. I, I think one of the things to demystify is that like ketones, keto, keto diet, it's not this black and white thing where you're either like bulletproof coffee, fat, it, butter, bacon, 24 seven, or you're like the other end of the spectrum. Like there's a lot of shades in between where yeah, if you're just if you're just exercising, if you're getting after it for an hour, two hours, your your body's definitely making ketones. So like, we all have the fundamental tools that we need to make ketones and to metabolize ketones. And so, can you have ketones if you're not keto diet? Like, yes, absolutely. I would say you cannot have don't have like a donut and then ketones on top of it. Like you just had a donut and some ketones. You like have substrate. Not gonna, yeah. <laughs> you have the substrate. Yeah. Like, the you, already, like yeah. you just ate a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but if you, what you're looking for is like some of the things that we mentioned, like you're trying to accelerate your recovery or you, you're 
oh, you're carb friendly, but like, hey, for your afternoon pick me up, you you don't want to have a Snickers bar or a soda with all the sugar in it. Like you can be carb friendly. Like I would say I'm carb friendly. Like I will have carbs before I run, but it's like, it's like oatmeal or like fibrous carbs that are like slow uptake that are not spiking my insulin. And so I'm carb friendly. And then, yeah, if I want an afternoon pick me up, I, I'm not going to have a, a Coca-Cola, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a Kit Kat bar. And so having a, shot a ketone IQ. Like I just think about it as a zero carb, zero caffeine energy boost. And yeah, if you also have carbs in your diets, it's kind of beside the point. I love what you're saying because I think that, um, and I, and I've softened on this as well. So when I first started doing the keto diet, I was like, all carbs are evil all the time. We should never <laughs> have any carbs. You know, I, I was very extreme. Uh, we'll call it like seven, you know, five to seven years ago. Um, but I've softened on it because I, 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 there is, there is value to carb. I tend to be of the camp that you need to earn your carbs, that you don't just get to have a bagel Mm -hmm. and cereal and whatever. I think that you need to be prioritizing protein. And I think that fat is such an important, um, and, you know, to, we'll, we'll bring it a little further and say ketone bodies are such an important, um, uh, substrate for the body that you just can't ignore them. But should we, should we be, should we be fearful of carbs? Absolutely not. I mean, I've had guests on that have talked about things like blueberries and like all these, all fruits that have fructose, right. And then that are all, you know, methyl, like very important modulators of the methylome, very important modulators Mm -hmm. in terms of longevity and signaling of the sirtuins and all the things. So I think that it is, it is very, very important for us to be embracing carbohydrates, but thinking about, like you've been saying, like on the savanna, like think about it on the savanna, it wouldn't be, you know, a pint (laughs) maybe of strawberries, it would be like a handful, whatever you could kind of pick off of, you know, if you raspberry, whatever you could pick off the bush or whatever. So I think, um, I think, I mean, we can kind of get into a separate conversation around portion size and Uber eats and sort of this like immediate gratification of things, but carbs are important. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably going to get some blowback for saying this, but I do think that you should earn, you should earn your carbohydrates. Like if you go for an eight mile run, like hot damn, like give yourself some oatmeal, you know, like you need it, like you've earned it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great framework for it. And, you know, there's different types of carbs, right? Like there's no evolutionary reason why there, like, why you would need a Reese's peanut butter cup. There's no peanut butter cups in the savanna, right? So like there's, that's a kind of carb where it's like high fructose corn syrup. It's just spiking your blood glucose. Like there's no amount of exercising that it's where like, that's what you need. Like if you want to, you got to live life. If you want to have that now and then, okay. But it's like, I don't know. You can also smoke a Marlboro red now and then too, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, it, I don't want to be a total hard ass about it, but it's like, you, like, I think people are realizing that the really spiky sugary carbs, especially with a lot of fructose, not good for you have it now. And then if you like to enjoy life, sure. But there's like, can't, there's like not a place for it in a well-rounded diet. It's like strictly for fun. And I think we've been tricked by just, hundred years of some of the smartest marketers in the world, like trying to trick us that like fruit loops is an acceptable breakfast and it's not. And I think we need to. Oh, even if you just go back to the history of like, I'm, I'm sure you are aware of Kellogg and like why, oh, yeah. why the cereal industry even exists. It was because they didn't want, I think it was like, I mean, Kellogg himself just 
anyway, like it was like to it, prevent people from masturbating and preventing people from, you know, orgasming because it yeah. was somehow it, viewed as in his, I can't remember what religion it was, but just it was, it, the worst it, thing it, ever. It was yeah. bad and that the cereal was going to slow people down. Like that's why they yeah. designed it. Hey, this will reduce people's libido. Mm -hmm. It'll slow them down. So let's, well, he's let's right. Get, it does. Right. So, it does okay, do like, that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like what you're saying as far as the, the equation where it's like, yeah, if you're, I think the issue with the equation is that you're, if you're, if you're having like Reese's peanut butter cups, like you're already dead, like that one side of the equation, like, like you got to run a couple miles for that, like to earn it versus if you have a more, more sane approach where it's like, Hey, we're, yeah, we're having some blueberries. We're having some, maybe some oatmeal, maybe like some this here and there, like a small amount of rice with, with your dinner, maybe. Um, if you're, if you're, I mean, rice is kind of bad for you. So it's, it's, I don't want to overly advocate for the rice, but uh, if you have some amount of like sane carbs and then you're act, you're very active, then you are able to actually balance your equation. And I think that's, I like the idea of earn your carbs, like make it so that your net amount of carbs, like if you're eating some carbs, make sure you're burning them off. Cause what you don't want to do is be eating a bunch and then it's just sitting around in your bloodstream, giving you insulin resistance, turning into fat. Like that's a, like giving you low energy. Like you want to make sure that you are one way to think about it is like, you want to make sure you're like drawing down your carb battery. Like if you're, I think this is true for like some electronic devices where you want to like run it down to zero sometimes and then you refill it all the way. Like you want to be doing that with carbs. You don't want to be like constantly upping the tank. You want to like run out of carbs and then have some more if you and and then run it down. But it's important to like run it down, get all the ketone metabolism stuff that, we were, that we've been talking about going, like clear it out, whether that's through a fast, whether that's through eating a low carb in general, whether it's to exercise, like you're not supposed to have this like constantly high carb battery all the time. Let's pivot a little bit and let's talk a little bit about ketone salts and esters because ketone IQ, the product that we've been talking about that I, that I take fasted, uh, is an ester. Um, that has come such a long way. <laughs> so the reason why we're having this conversation, uh, Chris uh, Irving uh, messaged me. He's like, you got to try this product. Have you ever had ketone uh, esters before? I'm like, yes. And I hate them. I'm not interested. Like, you know, I, I don't like the taste of them. It tastes like acid. And he's like, no, they like, I promise they're amazing. And so he sent me a uh, uh, he sent me a bottle and I was like, oh, actually, this is really great because when I first tried them, I don't know when it was, maybe 20, maybe 16, 17, something like that. It it felt like I was drinking like battery acid, like I couldn't get it down. That's it was probably our stuff. Awful. <laughs> it was yeah. awful. So let's let's talk a yeah. little bit about the evolution. Actually, before we do that, let's let's talk about what a ketone salt is and what an ester is. So let's talk sure. about beta hydroxybutyrate and you know they're yeah. they're bonded with an electrolyte like explain to explain to us what it is yeah yeah let's, let's go okay so when you're looking at your blood ketone levels the main thing that you're looking at is blood bhb beta hydroxybutyrate so if you get a ketone blood ketone meter off of amazon you're measuring your ketone levels you're measuring your blood bhb and that's how you measure am i in ketosis or not or how how high am i ketone levels am i at 0 0.5 1.2 like we're, we're talking about bhb there okay so with ketone salts, what you have is a BHB molecule that is bounded to a 
salt molecule. So it can be sodium, magnesium, potassium. So you have these like different types of salts in the chemistry sense that are bounded to a BHB. What's interesting about that process is it's very, it's very cheap to manufacture. So this is like, these have been on the market for a little while. Um, they're very cheap and they, the main drawback on them is that they don't elevate your ketones that much because for every ketone you're having a molecule of salt. It's like if for with coffee, it's like if every molecule of caffeine was bounded to a molecule of salt, it's like, well, I'm right. drinking a lot of salt over here. Like it's hard right. to drink that much salt without getting GI issues. Like you just have an upset stomach and that salt bond itself just like slows down the uptake. So it's there. They're, I think of salts as kind of the cheap and dirty way to get an exogenous ketone. Like there is a ketone in there. It kind of works, but it's uh, not really. It doesn't elevate your ketones that much. It's, it's hard to get above like 1.0 millimole with a salt. I don't, I don't know if it's possible. Um, with the breakthrough, so like the, the US DOD is not like working with, with salts because like they're, they're not interesting levels of ketone elevation. Um, what the breakthrough was for us, so in 2017, we launched the world's first ketone ester where we made an ester of two different things. So there's BHB and there's something very similar called BDO, which converts right away into BHB. So like two nearly identical things that you can like esterify together, basically glue together. We we launched that in 2017 and got our big contract with the DoD. We're running it. It tasted terrible. Um, we learned a lot along the way around just the performance profile, the taste. Uh, and we, yeah, we learned a lot and it was, it was also very expensive to make it that way. And then the, the light bulb went off where we realized that actually like, as I was saying that there, this ester that we had in our V1, it was a BHB plus a BDO. We started looking specifically at just the BDO component and we actually just isolated that. And that has become the anchor now for our V2. You might ask, okay, why don't you just drink just the BHB? The BHB is extremely acidic. So you can't just drink straight BHB. It's too acidic. It, you, you won't be able to have much of it at all. Uh, but BDO itself is really interesting. We actually like it better than the our V1 ester because it has a better PK curve to it. So it's it's like less of an of a intense spike in ketones. It's more, you get the same amount of ketones, but it's a it's a gentler curve. Like you basically spend more time with elevated ketones, uh, much more palatable, and we brought down the price significantly. So we're now able to like have it in, in grocery stores and stuff for under you know under five dollars a shot versus our our first version was the crazy stuff that you tasted which probably cost you thirty three bucks for the. Uh, for the experience one. of tasting yeah. something, yeah. something insane. So we've basically been working with the DOD and with our other elite operators, as well as just I, at this point, I think people got the message that like we are broadening this out. This is not just this elite Navy SEAL juice. Like as we've been getting this into the market, we've just been listening to people and what, what do they want and what is it, what is a performance profile people are really after taste, cost, ideal, PK curve, pharmacokinetic curve, like how, like what do people want for different performance cases? And so it was really exciting. In January of this year, we launched V2, which checks a lot of the boxes that we had learned along the way. And it's, I mean, it's been, it's been doing great. We've been, you know, it, it's opened up a new window where I would say for the past several years, we've been in 
science fair project mode, like working with research scientists, working with biohackers, super elite performers to now it's like, Hey, we're in like grocery stores. We're selling on Amazon. We're just out there. Uh, and we are, the, the idea was never for ketones to just be like stuck in a lab for super high performers, but we wanted to get it out there the way that, you know, collagen, you can go to the store and you can just buy collagen or you can buy CBD, like these other nutritional primitives. It's like ketone, ketones are cool. We're all doing metabolism all of the time. We should all have access to this tool in our toolkit for the various things that we're trying to do. Yeah. So irrespective of your Navy SEAL, yeah, yeah, like you can be a Navy SEAL, but you can also be, you know, we're talking about this in pre-chat, you can also be a house mom who's just trying to like have enough energy to take care of her kids and get, you know, the things done that she needs to get done in her everyday life. And both of those two, let's say, cohorts can benefit from ketone supplementation. Exactly. It's like, it's like protein, right? Like, do you need to be Arnold Schwarzenegger to have protein? Like, it's like, no, like a normal person should just eat more protein because we're all made out of muscle, right? So like there's certain... The, the analogies, I, I like the way you said it. It's like the different cohorts, they're still doing the same fundamental things. They have different endpoints in mind, but like, I don't know, my, I, my mom takes protein and cause she's older and she wants to make sure she has good muscle strength through old age. So, okay. Like she's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but she has still has muscles. So she's going to have protein. I'm, you know, it sounds like you advocate a lot and with your, with your community here that people know like, okay, I should have more protein in my diet. Again, whether we're talking about this in the pre-chat, like you might not even necessarily be trying to get jacked. It's harder to get super jacked than you think like going to the gym and lifting heavy a few times a week and eating enough protein in your diet. Not going to get you looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Probably not. Like you should be so lucky if you are like, you should, you maybe got the genetic lottery. That's, but, but in general, we should all be eating more protein. I'll be using our muscles. We should be thinking the same way about metabolic health. Like, okay, how do I, how do I use my metabolism better? How do I fuel it with better things rather than worse things? So you were saying that ketone salts will probably get you to about one millimolar. Is there an estimate and with like a very acute, let's say area under the curve or very, you know, very acute uh, rise in ketones. And then uh, I would say probably also just as quickly a a fall in that. Is there an estimate when we're taking an ester? Yeah. So you don't, you don't even know if we can get to one millimole with salt. With with salt. I think, I think like you're good if you're, it's a, I see salts going above like 0.5, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's easy to hit 1.0 without getting stomach upset on the way. Um, so, so for ours, like we, we get you to like, it depends how much you take. That's one of the interesting things to do. So let's say it's one shot, like the 10 mils, which is the one, I think one serving size. Yeah. 10, 10 will get you to one and then you can have multiple shots so it, it depends what you're going is for if you're just trying to like jam at your desk like work on stuff like one 10 gram shot is nice if you're navy seal iron man we start we say like okay well let's look at different dose protocols like 0.5 grams per kilogram of body weight to maybe to where someone's having like two three shots um and the idea then is that okay well if you explicitly want to get above 2.0 millimole and hang on there, then having a couple of shots or re-upping along the way starts making sense. So there's got a lot of like flexibility to it where like one shot is nice for just kind of casual energy boost, 
appetite suppression. But if you're trying to go like max out your 15 mile run, then it, it starts making sense to have more just like with all your other energy sources too. Like the, the way that the way to use it around a run or workout is basically like whenever you're taking a snack, a goose shot or whatever, whenever you're like taking the other fuel that you are taking in for your bike ride or your, or your run, like have about a third of it as ketones. So if you're having like, yeah, if you're having a snack bar, like, or you have, you have like a water that has some sort of energy inside of it. So maybe it's a carb mix inside of it. Like have it, have one third of the calories being from ketones as well. And then you have this like blended approach. That's what our like Tour de France rider protocol would be. So if you're an athlete, if you're an athlete, we're looking at 0.5, did you say grams per kg? Yeah. Yeah. So gram, and then if you're, um, that's like the Navy SEAL protocol. That's so, like the- okay. So that's okay. So that's like soup. That would be super physiologic for someone like myself who, like you're saying, is looking for a little bit of an energy boost. Didn't sleep really well that night last night, but I have a, you know, have something in the gym that I have to get done. Like, you know, I took a, I think it was about, um, it was like one maybe one, one and a half shots this morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, and that would be, do we see, um, when we're looking at, let's say the area under the curve for someone taking an ester versus a salt, is there an ideal target that you would be, uh, let's say, you know, when you're using exogenous ketone, ketones to hit and does that change for women? Or are we just looking at this purely from a mass, like a mass perspective and performance? It, it depends what the performance outcome goal is like if you are trying to recover if you're tour de france rider okay like then it's i would say take more so that you are able to get to 2.0 millimole so you're able to really accelerate the muscle protein resynthesis muscle glycogen reuptake that protocol starts making more sense again if you're just the average casual person you can almost go off of feel it's like okay i feel good off of one shot or one and a half shots or half a shot like i i know how that makes me feel uh, for a lot of the, a lot of the data here is like gender agnostic. What I would say for women, it sounds like you are more dialed in than, than me on, on like specific nutritional differences with men and women. Um, one thing is I know that like cortisol spikes during fasting is a major know, concern or like something that comes up a lot as well as how that maybe overlays with menstrual cycle. And one thing that we have seen is that ketones reduce stress response. That's part of what goes on with the, those highly trained cyclists is that like they have less of a stress response when they have ketones. So I think there's something interesting there where uh, if we're concerned about like fasting, spiking cortisol levels, that ketones could be interesting there. But I, I don't want to overspeak what I know. It sounds like you are you actually know a lot about kind of the, the cycles that you want to optimize for, for women, how that might deviate from what's, what's like recommended for males or unfortunately is recommended is like, it seems like a lot of the standard recommendations is like male dominant. I don't, it doesn't sound fair to me, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting better, but I would say that you're, you're kind of right on the money there. It seems that 
the, a lot of the research is pre- predominantly done on on men. And it's like, well, women are kind of smaller archetypes of men. They just have like these pesky hormones. So we'll just like kind of titrate that, you know, that's sort of generally what we see. Um, and it may be, you know, ketone research, even though I know that ketone uh, bodies and, you know, the, the keto diet, let's say, has been around for, for many years and 1,3-butane dial has been around since, I don't know, maybe the 50s or something. Um, mm. I know that these compounds have been around for a long time, but still relatively I would say in its infancy. Um, so we, you know, to find some of the, the, to tease apart some of the nuances in, in, you know, sex differences, um, maybe a little bit early, but just wondering if there was any, any observations that, that you may have had, but it sounds like, you know, when we're thinking about ketone supplementation, we want to be thinking about what are we using it for, right? Cause even if you're getting to, let's say two, uh, millimolar, uh, you know, that's still energy, right? Like you were saying it has to, so what are we, what are we using it for? Are you going to be working Mm -hmm. out? Are you going to be moving or are you, are you just, is it just like having a donut and sitting down? Like your body's going to have to assimilate and do something with that energy as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about stacking. Um, I'm not a huge like nootropic person, but just someone who has a I'm just fascinated with the brain. I, you mm-hmm. know, my very sophisticated stack is ketones and, and coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I, I've personally found just like a shot of espresso on a fasted, you know, uh, you know, fasted with some, some ketone IQ really is like a great workout. I always kind of make the joke that I feel like, you know, uh, there's the scene in, in Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman where she's fighting, uh, the villain. And then she kind of picks up this like big truck and like hurls it like, and hurls it at him. And that's sort of how I feel when I have like a, ca- a stack of like caffeine and some, and some ketone bodies. Um, let's, uh, are there, syner- so are there, syner- my first question is, are there synergistic effects of combining something like caffeine with ketone bodies? Um, and the second kind of uh, question that uh, we can get to after that is, uh, if that if that's a yes, what are some of your other favorite stacks, if the, if any, uh, with ketone bodies or just nootropics in general? Yeah, it's a it's a great question because we're talking about the the brain so much, and okay, what about all these nootropics or other psychoactives that people are into? The way to think about it is that caffeine increases brain activity, right? It increases your alertness. It decreases your response time it makes you snappy like caffeine generally works however caffeine doesn't have any calories in it it is acaloric and so what it is is it's basically like the nitro boost but without the actual gas or it's like it's like yanking at the lawnmower chain to get it going but like you still need actual gas so different nootropics caffeine you know probably the most universal one but if people are into different plant-based micro doses or even you know your reishi mushrooms i know there's a lot of like with mud water four sigmatic those types of brands cropping up a lot of you know, just call it blanket nootropics or psychoactives what they are doing is they're increasing brain activity and they're increasing brain energy demand which then begs the question okay where is the energy coming from like where the, where's the actual gas like where the actual calories that are getting turned into atp coming from so you like you accelerate brain activity you increase brain energy demand it stacks super well with ketones because when you have ketones to then provide that energy for your neurons it's like it's completely synergistic like you've you've turned on the lawnmower and now you're giving it really good gas as opposed to 
you go to Starbucks and you get the Frappuccino sugar bomb, you get a bunch of caffeine, but you also get 55 grams of sugar. And then, yeah, the caffeine's got your engine going and then you're, you're shoveling sugar in there. So you feel maybe like really, maybe like too high, like caffeine and sugar high and all this all at once. And then you crash an hour or two later, not doing your metabolism, your metabolic health, any favors either. So it's like, okay, if you're going to take something that's nootropic or psychoactive, I would say like be mindful about the fuel that you are using as the counterpart to that psychoactive that is getting your brain going. And I think, you know, just referencing um, uh, Stephen Kinane again, I think that he, mm-hmm. one of his studies, and I'll link it in the show notes uh, for those of you that want to read it. Um, when you supplement, let's say, caffeine with MCT oil, uh, you convert more of those medium chain triglycerides into ketones than you would otherwise if you were just taking MCT on its own. Super interesting, right? Because caffeine is just accelerating metabolism kind of everywhere in your body. Yeah. And I would say MCTs, you know, it's not this either or thing with ketone IQ where where the reason people like MCTs is they convert into ketones because, you know, medium chain triglycerides specifically converts well into ketones, especially the C8, the caprylic acid form uh, of, of MCT converts well into ketones. I don't consider that like to be like an either or thing with also just drinking ketones is like you can have both because you could have like what a lot of people in our community do is they'll have their coffee with MCTs and then they'll also have ketone IQ because basically ketone IQ kicks in right away. It immediately raises your ketones and then the MCT over hours gets converted into ketones. So you actually, it's like a nice blend actually. It's not this like either or thing. So like cool, cool stack there. And how do, so how do you use uh, ketone IQ? How do you use ketone esters in your everyday life? Yeah, I have ketone IQ first thing in the morning. Like I have it with my coffee. I usually have some uh, multivitamins just to kind of round everything out. I have some omega-3s and I'll have ketone IQ as part of that. And then I will go for a run and then I will start. Uh, I'll usually have protein. I'll have some sort of healthy fibrous carbs after that not afraid of fats i'll have fats i, I love eggs i think they're like the, the perfect food nature's superfood yep love yeah mm-hmm. so so i'll always anchor my day with it it's really nice it feels like even on days where i'm like not running in the morning um i i feel like it just lets me like cruise through like i just feel i just feel really good i don't need to uh, i don't get hungry i feel really dialed in and then i'll have it kind of as a pick me up in the afternoon. I'll have like a drink or two, like before an important call or just want like a little energy boost. Like I know better than now. I think a lot of people can maybe resonate with this. Like if I have caffeine in the afternoon, my sleep score tanks is what we're saying at the top of it. Where we're just in this, it's really cool. It's the modern age that we're in. Like you can see these things. It's not just this like perception of why I didn't sleep well. It's like, I can tell if I have caffeine after 12 PM that I have an objectively worse sleep score. Like, so I don't touch caffeine after noon anymore. So I like ketone IQ. Sometimes I'll mix it with like soda, like, um, like soda water and lime. I'll just have like a nice little kind of office cocktail to, while I'm like doing stuff in the afternoon. That feels really nice. But the, the main thing I always have it first in the morning and then I, it's kind of like 
choose your own adventure. I'll have it like like once or twice else throughout the day too. I love that. And I um I agree with you. I think that um, you know, with our dependence, let's say, on coffee, like sometimes you can, you know, I, I have even just like out for dinner, I was out for dinner the other day and people were ordering coffee after their meals and like it was 7 p.m. And I was like, oh, my God, you're not going to, you know, I, I, of course, you don't I've never say anything. But in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, in the adenosine and like, how are they going to sleep? And like, if there's like a six hour half line, like I can't yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. have any coffee after like I have a, a cup, like a shot of espresso, let's say in the morning or a cappuccino. And then that's kind of it. Uh, that's kind of it for me. Yeah. Well. The six hour half life, I feel like is something that more people should know about. Like you, I see people gulping down a coffee at like 3 p.m. It's like, would you be gulping down half that much at 9 p.m.? Because that's Cause what you're doing. Not, yeah. Yeah. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about, so we've been talking all about um, ketone IQ. Tell us about where, if people are interested in trying it, where they might find it. Um, and then if they want to learn more about you and the company, just like plug HVMN, plug ketone IQ and plug ketone IQ for me. Cause I think it's a great, great product and more people should know about it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. And the, the way to follow up is we're at hvmn.com so it's health via modern nutrition so hvmn.com we're at hvmn on twitter and instagram and everywhere myself i'm at bdm underscore runner you can find me on twitter instagram everywhere i love hearing from people when they're doing anything training for something building a company trying out a new protocol love to hear what people are doing so Feel free to tag me. I love to love to hear what people are up to, or even if you just see an interesting post or curious my take on that topic. I love to love to chat with people in the community anytime. So, say hello. Thank you. This has been wonderful. And I'll tell you my like pro tip. And I, I picked this up from Chris, so I'll give him credit where credit is due. He's like, you should take a little bit right before you do a podcast. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's so cool. So, I, you know, sometimes I'll do like a little little shot of HVMN right before uh, our ketone IQ, I should say, right before uh, a podcast. And it's like, oh, my gosh, all these words. I have access to all these words. Like, I feel like limitless. You know, I feel like Bradley Cooper in that in that movie where I can just all this vernacular, the words just come easily to me and, you know, the prose and everything. It, it's It's beautiful. So. So uh, I will say that I've noticed that um, as well with my usage. Super cool. Yeah. Appreciate the feedback. And yeah, you're, I, you're not alone. Like I, I just was drinking some. I think that's a lot of a lot of how people are cracking it is for the uh, access to the, the good parts of the brain during the day. Thank you so much. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only. And the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, 
or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. <laughs>